Hello, this is the USA Rugby League Show. To start things off, we talk with Curtis Goddard to get a player's perspective on the final select side trial game, which was the player's last chance to impress USA Hawks coaches ahead of the World Cup America's Region qualifiers. We're joined by USA Rugby League Chairman Peter Ilfield to chat about the importance to the league of being the successful bidders to host that series. And we review the million-pound game and whether Toronto's loss will put a dent in hopes of growing the game globally. You've seen them online and in print, so you know they specialize in authentic rugby league merchandise. When you want your favorite team's jersey, whether it's club or country, order it directly from MassCourtBrowns.com. MassCourt Browns, proud partners of the USA Rugby League Show. If you need a better way to turn business leads into sales, choose Momencio. It's an event enablement tool for trade show exhibitors. Momencio is more than just lead capture. It gives customer engagement insights. For more information, go to Momencio.com. This is the USA Rugby League Show with your host, Brian Lowe. And it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, because it's been about three months since we last spoke with him, Curtis Goddard from Southwest Florida Copperheads. How are you, Curtis? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Now, the reason we've got you on the show this time around is I thought it would be interesting to get a perspective from a player who took part in the final internal trial game, the select side game, if you want to call it that, in Tampa, uh, that uh, coaches uh, Rutgerson and Richardson used as a final, uh, I guess, gauge to determine who they might uh, be adding to the uh, USA Hawks train-on squad for the Rugby League World Cup qualifiers coming up in about a month or so, also in Florida. Now, Curtis, you initially were picked in the South squad. You ended up in the North squad. You ended up on the victorious team. How did all that happen? Yeah, uh, no, that was, uh, it was just, it was interesting. Uh, I think it was just, uh, part of it was just a miscommunication as to what the expectations were for the team. The first game that we played in the, the select side match, which matched kind of our, our conference rules with the unlimited interchange and the North versus South teams and things uh, in Philly, that was like one separate event. And then this event, uh, from my understanding, was more of, like you said, the uh, an inner squad uh, scrimmage and uh, a way for him to, you know, for us to, to come together, play another high level match, but also evaluate what he's what he's doing and what his plan is for the program. I think we loosely were using those north south terms it with one of us ended up wearing the the tampa mayhem kit and the other one uh other one other one of us wore the the pioneers kit and uh who is south and north at all the lines got blurred there during the training so i i ended up yes i was originally named to one roster they had a chat that evening uh came back and it's you know it was it was changed around we had a two and a half hour training on saturday evening and then on Sunday, then we came together Sunday morning to to play each other and for him to get an even closer look, um, not only at the specific skills of two man tackles, three man tackles, you know, uh, running some set plays and some of that stuff. And so uh, after he got a look at that, then he went back again, kind of made a few more adjustments and had an idea of what uh, I believe he wanted to to see out of us. And uh, he had a, his own specific reason as to why he had made, it, again, yet another change, uh, which was to help him evaluate uh, players 
for the the roster that he has to submit. Yeah, so it's just uh, it was just and it was we and it was all done for the the right purpose. So it was uh, a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, it wasn't really. Uh it wasn't like the North v. South All-Star. The, the result really didn't matter, I don't think, in terms of, of who won and who lost. As you said, uh, the coaches wanted to evaluate all the players. There were 17-man squads. And uh, from that uh, group of you, uh, the, the final trial, well, not the final final, but I guess the interim final train-on squad will be named. Now, from your perspective, as a guy who actually took part in the game, because it was a it was a dry track in Tampa as opposed to the the wet stuff you guys played in up in Philly before that, what kind of uh, perspective can you give us on on how the game was played? Because judging by that score, you guys were playing some open football. Yeah. So being in Philadelphia, like you said, it was it was wet, it was rainy, uh, it was muddy, and the the style of the game uh, that that we were playing was more the traditional USARL style where pretty much every set was an exit set. You know, the big guys really handled uh, the, the middle field and, um, and the edge, the, the edges of the, of the field there in the middle, just kind of working it around. And then there was a little less opportunity for backs to kind of, to run crazy and stuff like that. Um, in the Philadelphia game, uh, you know, wet ball drill and some, some of the stuff kind of, came out of that, which is good because that may happen in Jacksonville, uh, unlimited interchange, those kind of things. But in Tampa, it was, it was different. It felt just as muddy. Uh, it was, it was pretty sandy fields. And so that was still kind of the same, just, it was dry. It was really humid, um, and pretty hot that morning, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot less ball handling errors and things like that. And the two and a half hour training before, um, getting some, some actual shape, from what our backs were supposed to be running, they had three three set plays. Uh, once they got to the the fifty or the the sixty, um, and opening, you know, running to the open two thirds of the field or the op- the open half of the field, um, and so forwards then having a plan to get there it was a little bit more structured. They had uh, seventeen man rosters and uh, ten interchanges, and so then it was also a test for for both coaches to manage their interchanges you know, and the, and the, the people that they had and the rosters that they had picked for themselves, um, managing that to try to, to win the game. Brent was pretty happy uh, about the results, said he really needed that. So it was, uh, it was definitely a little uh, competition there between coaches, and that was kind of fun to feed off as a player. Well, yeah, I was going to say, um, you, you had some of your uh, Copperheads teammates uh, in that uh, scrimmage as well. But overall... I mean, I know I've spoken to the coach uh, since, and he says he's got some extra thinking to do about who he's going to put in the train-on squad because everybody stepped up. Yeah, no, for sure. The the guys that I had played in Philly, I'm sure they asked for feedback, and they improved. The defense got a little bit better between uh, the first game and the, and the second game. There's a handful of two-man tackles, and the defense was a little tighter in the middle, and they, they, they took took those those concepts on and played better footy um everyone across the board and uh i think that made it harder i think maybe he thought he had a clearer idea uh, of who and then some of these guys you know really took it on showed that they were coachable showed that they had a work ethic were posting in the fitness accountability group were you know taking these these concepts on board when that we had a two and a half hour training rapidly improving over that training a couple guys just off the top of my head that I was working with in my group 
immediately uh, took some of these concepts on board um, when Sean was coaching, for instance, uh, marker play and uh, playing a little flatter, making the defensive line tie in guys that are normally a little bit more aggressive at marker, realizing that that could be a potential downfall. They were stepping up uh, within five minutes, figuring it out. And in the game, they didn't screw up. They, they, they took those, those, those coaching points on board. And uh, that's what's going to build the strength of the USARL moving forward. His attention to detail, our guys' ability to be coached, our work ethic, and, and you know, keep having these, you know, Sean here, boots on the ground, and, um, and, 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 bring, and getting us up to snuff. And um, I'm just, I'm excited about the future. All right. Well, we're out of time, Curtis. Thanks very much for your insights. Um, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Coming up in the next segment, we'll be joined by USA Rugby League Chair Peter Ilfield to talk about the significance of Jacksonville being chosen as host city for the World Cup qualifiers. USA Hawks merchandise is must-have. Hats, supporters' jerseys, polo shirts, and training shorts for men and women, all by Paladin, are available in the USA Rugby League store. Shop Paladin's USA Rugby League collection at usarl.org. Want more bang for your buck when advertising your business? You could advertise right here. Podcast advertising matches your business with the right listeners, and this could be your ad playing right now. For more info, visit usarl.org to be part of the USA Rugby League show. This is the USA Rugby League Show with your host, Brian Lowe. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show USARL Chairman Peter Ilfield. Peter, it's uh, been a while since we spoke to you. You were on our very first show. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, good, Brian. I'm fine. Thanks, mate. Doing well. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the Rugby League World Cup qualifiers because it's been officially announced, as we had in our last show, we had Danny Kazanjian talking about it. It's going to be in Jacksonville in Florida again, as it was back in 2015. Uh, from a USARL standpoint, Peter, um, that must be a, a nice thing to to have. Like, a, I wouldn't say necessarily a feather in your cap, but it's good to be playing on home soil, isn't it? Well, it always is. Um, and especially with the success that we had there in 2015. Um, the, the, uh, the thing to look at it really is that the guys in, uh, in Jacksonville are, are, are fabulous and they're able to put an event on. And uh, every time they do, whether it's a championship final, uh, whether it's a North-South game or, uh, you know, it's an event like this, qualifier, World Cup qualifiers, they do a great job. They always have done and they always will. And so, uh, you know, that, that's uh, it's great uh, recognition for them. It is indeed, and I've been there a couple of times, uh, and I agree with 100% with what you say. Even though uh, I think originally Philadelphia, where you were based for quite some time, uh, is maybe still regarded as the spiritual home of rugby league in America. I think that what you say about Jacksonville, though, is quite correct in terms of, um, you know, that's, that's, where the, that's where it is, isn't it? Well, that's fair. It is. I mean, that, from from a, uh, a climate perspective, I mean, Florida has always been great for sport. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure that uh, Philadelphia was actually the hub of things. It might have been just seen that way because uh, you know I coached there and uh, Philadelphia was successful over a number of years. But um, yeah, as I said, you know the guys need the recognition, the acknowledgement in Florida, 
they, uh, they do a great job when you're organising events down there, and uh, Drew Slaver and his team, um, this fabulous, um, and it will give us a, a, a very good start uh, with you know, Coach Rutchison being down there as well, coaching down there, coaching in Jacksonville, so um, you know, it will give us a great head start. Indeed. Well, Coach Rutkison has uh, said on the show uh, prior to this one that uh, it's it's like a home game for the for the USA Hawks, and, and of course it is because of what you just said. Um, give, given that it's going to be in Jacksonville and uh, it's going to be in you know next month, so it's, the weather's going to be good still. Uh, how much of an advantage does that give the United States? Do you think? Well, yeah. Look, I think we probably touched on that, and and it, it's. The guys are familiar with playing these qualifiers there in 2015. You know, anything on home soil or anywhere on home soil is always an advantage to the home team, providing that they keep that in perspective and uh, and, and they don't lose their, uh, their focus on the game itself or on the games themselves. We've got a different format this time because we've got four teams, not three, with the inclusion of Chile. Uh, we're going to have a couple of double headers. So the USA plays the uh, Chileans on the in the first game. Canada takes on Jamaica in the corresponding game, and then the winner of winners of both go on to meet in in the second round. What do you think the USA Hawks need to do to uh, to take these guys into consideration? Because we don't really know a heck of a lot about them, do we? Uh, no, no, we don't. And uh, it, 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 what are they going to do about the game? They're going to stay. Uh, on track uh, in their game plan and uh, you know this is the way they've been successful before so um, you know Coach Rutchison let's, let's uh, call him Rutchow Rutchow will have these guys focused there's going to be a number of heritage players playing for Chile as uh, as there will be playing for the US and so that'll even things out a bit and, uh, and, and Rutchow will keep uh, the squad uh, on their course, and that's that's exactly how it needs to be done. So you know, every coach is different, and every coach has a has a different aspect to it. And uh, in, in my coaching experience has been, let's get my team right first, make sure that we do everything right, and then we can look at the opposition. If we spend too much time looking at the opposition, worrying about them then, uh, yeah, we're going to lose the focus on where we are at and they will, uh, they will overcome us. So I'm sure that has got that in hand. It's good guy. On another topic, uh, given that, um, as we talked about earlier, the, the USA is hosting this, uh, is, is this a, do you guys regard this as a feather in your cap? I mean, it's the second time, well, actually, it's the third time now that you've hosted the America's Region uh, Qualifiers. Yeah, we hosted the first qualifiers up in Philadelphia, and uh, yeah, 2015 qualifiers were in uh, were in Jacksonville. Um, it is absolutely a feather in a cap. Um, the hard work that we've put in uh, over those years is, uh, you know, hopefully coming back to uh, to be a benefit to us, being a home team for qualifiers, uh, putting on a, a fabulous event as they do in Jacksonville, and having that. You know, recognition from Rugby League World Cup and from the International Federation that we can do this. Um, and so uh, it, it's got to be seen by the rest of the Rugby League community in the US that, that this is a premier event. And and we've been able to get this thing uh, on, on three occasions, 
two in Jacksonville. Um, it, it doesn't come without hard work, and I and I just would like to think that you know our rugby league family and fraternity <clears throat> take that on board and understand how much work is involved in getting this where it is because uh, you know it, it's just it's a great value to us. Yeah, well, finally, congratulations uh, to USA Rugby League on on being selected by the Rugby League International Federation to host again, and and all the best for uh, hopefully, uh, you know, without without being sounding like a homer uh, too much, uh, hopefully an American victory. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm I'm confident that we will uh, qualify for the World Cup, um, and there's a little bit of work ahead of us to do yet. Um, it's going to be a great challenge for them. And, um, you know, I hope, uh, I hope it all comes out well for them. And next up, we talk with our good buddy Ray Veers about the Toronto Wolfpack's loss in the Million Pound Game and what effect, if any, that will have on growing the game globally. Want more bang for your buck when advertising your business? You could advertise right here. Podcast advertising matches your business with the right listeners, and this could be your ad playing right now. For more info, visit usarl.org to be part of the USA Rugby League show. You've seen them online and in print, so you know they specialize in authentic rugby league merchandise. When you want your favorite team's jersey, whether it's club or country, order it directly from MazCourtBrowns.com. MazCourt Browns, proud partners of the USA Rugby League Show. This is the USA Rugby League Show with your host, Brian Lowe. And so my pleasure to welcome back to the show my good rugby media buddy, Ray Veers. Hey, Ray, how you doing? Ah, oh, good, Brian. Always a pleasure to be on the show. And, uh, my, we've got a lot of rugby league going on right now. It certainly is the pointy end of the season. Yes, indeed. And we want to get uh, talking about the million-pound game. And uh, the uh, the result, I guess, not, uh, not what everybody in Toronto was hoping for. They lost to the London Broncos, as we all know, 4-2. Not the most... Uh, entertaining game you'll ever see according to some reports i didn't see the game but i've seen a lot of reports on it and i've you know seen a lot of uh, uh tweets on it and and you saw it and a couple of other people i know actually watched the game and they tell me it was you know it was okay it was a defensive struggle i suppose i mean uh, the Wolfpack got over the line several times were held up so so good on the broncos for uh, being able to uh, stop the the points against them but, but what was your take on the game in general in general, it was a pretty entertaining game, I thought. The, the action went both ways, but uh, both teams scrambled like madmen on defense, you know. I mean, the Wolfpack did get over the try line at least three or four times in the second half alone, and they just couldn't put the ball over the line. So you got to give the Broncos a lot of credit. You know, they were down and out at the beginning of the year, and to come back in and win a game, in Toronto, the million-dollar game was one heck of an achievement for a London Broncos side that really only came good at the end of the season. Yeah, you're right about that, and they came good right at the point where uh, all teams say is uh, is essential uh, as in terms of a uh, time to come good, and that's at the point at the end of the season, as you quite rightly say, because they were, uh, for all intents and purposes, written off before the, uh, the Super 8s, the qualifiers, got underway. And just on that... Um, as you know, the RFL and Super League have decided to scrap all that stuff as of 2019. And next year, what we're going to see happen in the English competition is a one-up, one-down promotion regulation system. So the winners of the championship will go up to Super League. 
the bottom place team in Super League will drop down to the championship in 2020. Obviously, the Wolfpack will be hoping to to uh, go one better next year, win the championship, and go up to Super League. Obviously, that's got to be the big plan now. I think there was a bit of a setback with them uh, not getting through this year. They did very well to make the playoffs. They're a good side, but they just fell short at that final hurdle. And sometimes you got to lose one to, to really succeed down the road. And I think Toronto does have a long-term plan for their club and, and being competitive in the uh, Super League competition. It's a tough pill to swallow, but maybe in the long run it's going to help them. And uh, the key next year is put the runs on the board because you're going to need them all the way to the final. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a case of every game counts uh, all through the season. Absolutely for sure about that. Now, what do you think uh, in terms of um, the, the, the Wolfpack losing that game, not getting into Super League? Do you think that dents any hopes of uh, expanding rugby league in Canada particularly, or do you think it doesn't matter that much? Well, I don't know if it's going to really, in the short term, do much. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, Canada, just like the United States, massive country. I think Toronto have done a great job within the local area in Toronto of building a fan base. It looked like a great crowd, nearly a sellout in Toronto for the million-dollar game. But to get that expanded out into areas, you know, in the West and, you know, as you say, in the Maritimes and Newfoundland, uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, that's a long term project. I think in the short term, they want to get it up, get back into the into the hunt for the Super League spot. And that's where you get the, the better synergies of uh, marketing and everything once you're in that top flight competition. So. I think it'll take it's going to take a long-term effort to really build a base throughout Canada, but I think they're on the right track, and they just got to keep building closer to home and expanding that base out slow but surely. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's a big ask. Uh... And I think it's going to take quite some time to actually do that. I mean, I will give the club credit full kudos and uh, pats on the back and all that kind of stuff for the marketing and promotion they've done for themselves in the Toronto area, as you quite rightly say. However, Canada is a lot bigger than Toronto. Given that Toronto is a city of 5 million, it's one of the biggest cities in the country, obviously. Um, Still, not everybody in Toronto necessarily knows about this particular team. And I can tell you, for one thing, I was in Western Canada in September and no one out that part knows anything about the Wolfpack or anything about Rugby League for that matter. And I would venture to say, as you mentioned a moment ago, that east of Toronto, from there through to the Maritimes, I don't think a lot of people know about it either. Therefore, they've got a big job ahead of them. It's going to take quite a long time to actually get people, you know, to, to raise awareness of, of A, them themselves, the club, the Wolfpack, and B, the sport of Rugby League. Well, I think rugby league has a long way to go as a sport in in developing a fan base and a, and a, and a certain critical mass in anywhere outside of the traditional rugby league countries. You know, we did see earlier in, in the playoffs and just a little while ago where uh, the Catalans won their first ever championship, the French team, and that was a real shot in the arm for uh, French rugby uh, rugby league down in the south. Uh, that's going to do them a world of good. But it's a limited 
market for them. They're really not going to expand that out into the north and to the east of France. It's going to take a lot of time to do that. And the same with Canada. It's just, it's a big place. And let's face it, footy's parochial. We're tribes. You know, if you're out in Winnipeg or Saskatchewan or somewhere, you got Toronto, who, them? <laughs> you know, your tribes are important. And uh, it's a lot of work and it's going to take time. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like the Sydney v. Melbourne thing, isn't it, in Australia? Uh, you know, they've got this great rivalry and, and, and Sydney siders don't really like Melbourneites too much and vice versa. Oh, yeah, and we certainly saw that in the NRL Grand Final. Uh, Sydney Roosters, I mean, they had to have played one of the best 40 minutes of rugby league I've ever seen in that first half against the Melbourne Storm, who are a very, very good side. But, uh, yeah, you could see it. Uh, the players were wearing it on their sleeves that night, and uh, it was quite the result for the Sydney uh, Roosters to win the premiership in such fine style. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. And they'll go into the next season uh, defending premiers. And uh, I, I guess all the uh, the pressure is going to be on them week in and week out, as it always is, no matter who's the uh, who's the champion team. Well, Ray, um, thanks again for uh, taking the time to come on the show and talk about the Wolfpack. And uh, we hope that they will do well in 2019 and uh, onwards and upwards. That's right. You know, I, I think they are. They've got a good formula. Uh, a setback for sure, but I think they've got the patience and the wherewithal to make it through to the Super League and got to wish them all the best. Good on you, boys. And that's a wrap on this episode of the USA Rugby League Show. We sure trust you've enjoyed it. Thanks to our guests, our partners, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to stay tuned for our next podcast, and until then, stay well. <laughs>